Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. You are listening to Linux in the Hampshire. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello everybody and welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 378 of the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet. This is Linux in the Ham Shack, and we are doing our short topics episode for this evening. So we're glad you joined us. And before we get rolling along, we should probably introduce the cast of characters who will be with you tonight. I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD. So it's the same group of people, and we'll be doing some interesting, hopefully, short topics on amateur radio and on Linux and open source, and we'll combine them together later on in the show so you can get a little dose of linux in the ham shack which is kind of what we do here so let's go ahead and get into it and we'll let bill start out with uh at least one of our amateur radio topics and this one is uh well we'll just let you uh talk about it <laughs> yeah this is uh so we're gonna be amset heavy again i, I was gonna say it's gonna be a satellite <laughs> thing right <laughs> yeah after i found this story i I found it in the amset newsletter as well so it's uh we have both cited so anyway this is uh the neutron one scheduled for deployment on november 5th uh the neutron one three u cubesat is currently scheduled to be deployed from the iss on november 5th 2020 that's now <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, the the time we're recording this podcast uh, at uh, ten forty uh, UTC for the first month and during the spacecraft commissioning phase, the beacon will transmit twelve hundred baud uh, BPSK every six sec- sixty seconds. Sorry, on the IARU coordinated frequency of four thirty five dot three hundred megahertz. Uh, we welcome the worldwide amateur community to collect the beacons and forward them to n1-info at hsfl.hawaii.edu. The beacon format is now public and published at uh, this link that you'll find in the show notes. After the initial commissioning phase, amateurs will be able to use the uh, uh, VHF to UHF FM repeater during available times and according to the available power budget. Stay tuned for more mission updates on our Twitter account. And they're at HSFL Neutron One. And of course, their website, which is again linked in the show notes. So there you go. More satellites to play with. Play, play, play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's definitely a lot of space junk floating around up there right now. And uh, thanks to the new uh, technology for internet, uh, Skylink or Sky Starlink. Starlink. Yeah, whatever the hell it is. I, don't know. I, I started drinking a while ago. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's there's even more junk because they put about what sixty or seventy of those up at a time. Yeah, yeah, they go up in a big blip, so and they're pretty low, so they're pretty easy to spot. Right. Yeah, I know. I downloaded the uh, the t- the telemetry data for that and plugged it into GPredict one time, and it was like a freaking nightmare. <laughs> 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 yeah, and they have that other company now too that's 
trying to get a permit to uh, put a cellular um, cellular uh, satellites up. So, and I think they're going to poo-poo that just because. What, what, Iridium's not good enough? <laughs> well, this will just give you 4G and 5G from, uh, I think, like seven 700 miles up or 760 kilometers up, something like that. can't remember. One of those numbers. Sounds familiar, but yeah, it's all over the news. <laughs> Not really amateur related, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah. Well, it's radio. I mean, cellular is radio, whether they want to admit it or not. Right? Every, everyone pull out their copy of WALL-E or, you know, stream it from Disney Plus and you'll, that, that's what we're looking forward to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very good. So I'll cover the next one. Upcoming amateur satellite launches. Yes. Heavy on the AMSAT. A number of amateur satellites are expected to launch in the next few weeks. AMSAT's Rad FX Sat. And months, 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 yeah, weeks, weeks. <laughs> years, milliseconds. Does it really matter? <laughs> Soon. <laughs> AMSAT's Rad FX Sat Fox One E is expected to launch by the end of this year on the Alana XX mission on Virgin's or Virgin Orbit's Launcher One vehicle. Rad FX Sat Two carries a thirty kilohertz wide uh, VHF UHF linear transponder. I'm assuming that's what V slash U is. Yep. Yep. Uh, the Tevel mission is a series of eight Israeli 1U CubeSats carrying FM transponders expected to launch on a SpaceX Falcon 9 in December. Also from Herzlia Science Center is a 3U CubeSat called TauSat. This is scheduled to launch on a JAXA resupply mission to the ISS for deployment in February. TauSat carries an FM transponder. Finally, AMSAT EA reports that their Pocket Cubes ESAT 2 and Hades have been integrated for launch on a SpaceX Falcon 9 in December also, while Genesis-L and Genesis-N have been integrated into their dispenser for launch on Firefly's Alpha rocket. More information can be found at the link in the show notes uh, from the AMSAT News Bulletin. So, yes, lots of AMSAT and lots of acronyms. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to get everybody into Bexa, satellites, right? Jaxa, Jaxa, Tausat. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, lots of lots of satellites to play with. One of these days, I'm going to have to get one of those, like, arrow, you know, antennas with a diplexer and, and actually try and work some of these things. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're all doable. So, you know, the the when you get to the transponder ones or the linear ones sorry the linear ones you'll need uh you know upper side man stuff like that well i think i can handle that so yeah yeah i just have to be a little creative on your receive i guess right <laughs> yeah well I'll, I'll do what i can i've got a, i've got antennas with different polarizations here none of them are circular but yeah we'll see just you know just hold them up in the air and just do circles while you do it <laughs> sure why not <laughs> <laughs> All right, hit the next one about the AWRL. Yeah, the AWRL urges members to join in strongly opposing FCC's application fees proposal. The AWRL will file comments in firm opposition. Firm, absolutely firm. Absolutely opposition. firm. Yes. Yeah, yes. To uh, to an FCC proposal to impro- impose a $50 fee on amateur radio license and application fees. With the November 16th comment deadline fast approaching, AWRL urges members to add their voices to AWRLs by filing opposition comments on their own or of their own. The FCC Notice of Proposal Rulemaking, uh, NPRM, MD Docket 20-270, 270, that's 220-270, 
appeared in the October 15th edition of the Federal Register and sets deadlines of November 16th to comment and November 30th to post reply comments, which are comments on comments already filed. (laughs) (laughs) Already. AWRL has prepared a guide to filing comments with the FCC, which includes tips for preparing comments and step-by-step filing instructions. File comments on the docket using the FCC's electronic filing system. I have a comment. Yes. Yeah, I bet you do. His <laughs> <laughs> comment was in there like 20 times or something like say, that. Did you, Holy did, cow. You, uh, did you tally up all the comments in that comment? Yeah. I, you know, this is the problem with cut and pasting and not reading until we get on the show. Because I don't, don't read any of these until I get right at it. It's like, oh, that sounds interesting. I'll just grab this first paragraph. Uh, anyway, so you can find uh, all that information so that you can uh, participate in this commenting system uh, at the AWRL. All right, very good. And Cheryl is back, and she's going to read a story because we had a tweet. It was actually a while back. It was a couple of months ago that I just saw today from uh, at Blind Hams, who said they wanted to hear more of Cheryl. So uh, guess what? We get to hear more of you. (laughs) I tried to explain that, that I offer to have you read stories all the time, and you're always like, hell no, I'm on Facebook. Go away. So, do you see me on Facebook right now? No, I don't see you on Facebook, which is why you're going to read a story as we oh, but before you do that, I should mention that we have finished with our amateur radio heavy segment or maybe our AMSAT segment or (laughs) our our acronym segment or whatever we're going to call it. It's it's been renamed to the AMSAT segment. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we're going to go into some open source topics, and Cheryl's going to give us our first one. All right. So, our first topic is. Dell is adding hardware privacy driver for Linux. This driver provides a driver to support messaging related to the privacy button presses on Appleable Dell laptops from 2021. Apple, Appleable? Appleable. Yeah. Applicable. Yeah, applicable. Yeah. <laughs> Need the syllable in the right spot. Yeah, exactly. It, it's you gotta been put a... the emphasis on the right syllable. <laughs> <laughs> I can just stop right now. <laughs> these these are short news topics that Bill cut and pasted from the internet. We have to make them interesting somehow. So. <laughs> yeah, so we'll let Cheryl read it and get her tongue tied up, and then that'll be all great. So, <laughs> okay, so applicable Dell laptops from 2021 and newer notes. Added to the Linux kernel to add support for Dell Privacy Driver for the Dell units equipped. Hardware privacy design, which protects users' privacy of audio and camera from hardware level. Once the audio or camera privacy mode is enabled, any applications will not get any, excuse me, not get any audio or video stream. When user pressed control for hotkey, audio privacy mode will be enabled and camera mute hotkey is control F9. Yeah, that's going into the kernel. Ooh. Okay. And we got to hear Dell like a whole lot during that one too. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're the ones that actually did the commit for the patch. So, uh, well, so. there you go. So it, so it's only going to be useful for people who are running this kernel on Dell's, but sure. Whatever. <laughs> well, it enables some of those special buttons on laptops. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt that you'd see support for other ones. Most of that stuff is fairly, uh, you know, ubiquitous. They all starting to get those privacy buttons anyway, right now. Yeah, what's what's the other name for the Windows key? Like, if you're not using Windows, flag, uh, start button, a super key, super, super key. key. That's yeah. A super. Yeah. yeah, that's what that's what they should change. I should take the damn Windows label off that key and call it the super key or something. 
But anyway, so moving on, we've got another story about Risk OS. 5.28 has been released, and it now supports Raspberry Pi 4. Slightly delayed from the original target in the spring, they're pleased to announce Risk OS 5.28 is now available for all platforms that met or exceeded the stable release criteria. What's inside? The extra few months has allowed packing of fantastic 366 improvements to the hard disk 4 image and applications and a similarly impressive 344 improvements. Wow, they've got them down to the singular improvement. Obviously, they just have a, a commit dump. Uh, to the main operating system. Enjoy overhauled paint, up-to-date network security, system-wide clipboard support, and all of this running faster thanks to the community-led bounty schemes. So, yes, they and have of course, bounties. the big news. Big news is that it's available on Raspberry Pi four. So absolutely, yeah. which means there's an ARM sixty four build. And I, and speaking of ARM sixty four builds, I talked to the folks who are developing Grid Tracker about ARM sixty four builds, and they told me to f off. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't they told you that before? No, they they're trying to, but apparently it's uh, rather nightmarish at the at the moment trying to get a an ARM sixty four build out. So uh, they're they're working on it. <laughs> and they, they didn't tell Maybe me to f off time. because I w- I kept badgering them about it. They told me to f off because apparently it's just a nightmarish nightmare. thorn in their backsides, and they didn't want to talk about it. So, <laughs> so there you go. Well, All right, problem with non-native apps anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's going open source. Maybe somebody will convert it to mono or something. Um. Anyway. Going, speaking of Raspberry Pis, Bill's going to tell us some more about Raspberry Pis. Yeah, the Raspberry Pi 400 was released. Your complete personal computer built into a compact keyboard featuring a quad-core 64-bit processor, 4 gigs of RAM, wireless networking, dual display output, and a 4K video playback, as well as a 40-pin GPIO header. Raspberry Pi 400 is a powerful, easy-to-use computer built into a neat and portable keyboard. So if you haven't seen it, it looks like the a Raspberry Pi keyboard that you can buy currently, and they shove a Raspberry Pi in it. <laughs> <laughs> and then out the back, you have all your ports and everything else. Um, and I saw this pop up on Reddit, and of course, it's made all the rounds to all the other podcasts that talk about these kind of things. And I did want to mention, because I did comment on the Reddit thread, that, uh, boy, I hope those keyboards aren't as crappy as the ones that are in the regular keyboards. <laughs> Because <laughs> uh, I have two bad ones, and I bought two, so um, they're 100% failure rate at my house. Uh, the first one I received, it, pretty much half the keys didn't work. <laughs> nice. oh, that, that's a wonderful keyboard. That's that's really useful. Uh, I should have sent it back, but I was like, ah, it doesn't really matter. You know, whatever. Um, <laughs> and then the other one I, my daughter was using on her uh, her little gaming computer upstairs and she has, you know, of course, been pounding the uh, WSAD or ASD all the time for Minecraft. And guess what? Doesn't work anymore. <laughs> w. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I would say quality control on these things are pretty bad. I sure hope that the Raspberry Pi 400 does not have the same quality control. Um, oh yeah, because so, that would suck. So yeah, buyer beware on this. But it's really cool because you know it kind of it's very nostalgic of having uh, you know. Uh, geez, like a, you know, uh, like a Commodore 64 or something like that. Which, yeah, Commodore yeah. 64, uh, uh, TI 99 or whatever. And yeah, yeah, there's all, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's neat. Yeah. And, and it's kind of all set to go in one little package. So, um, you know, as long as the quality is there, I think it, it would be pretty, uh, pretty interesting to have. Apparently they've laid the board out a little differently. So it's not like, uh, 
don't think it's like a true, like the standard Raspberry Pi 4 board that you actually get. Because they obviously had to flatten it out a little bit to fit inside of a, a keyboard body. But, um, but yeah, everybody uh, that has at least seen it from what I hear, it's, it's pretty good. But I haven't, I haven't heard enough on the, uh, the quality issue. And I'm sure that will probably uh, rear its head in uh, you know, several months. All right. Well, we'll see what the progression on that is, and we'll report back when there's more information about the new 400. So it does sound kind of interesting. It's nice to be able to have a computer that's built into a keyboard. You just plug it into your whatever peripherals you need, i.e. like monitor, and you're good to go. So Yeah, because you can plug it into a TV, a monitor, whatever. So, yeah, it just makes it really accessible. Excellent. So that takes us down to our Linux in the Hamshack segment. And the first one tonight is about the new IC705 from ICOM. Homebrew Linux RS-HA1 remote control software for the 705 is available as the original RS-HA. I'm sorry, that's BAI, isn't it? <laughs> I see. I told you I needed to clean my glasses. <laughs> clean your glasses. <laughs> yeah. RSBA1 is a uh, software doesn't support Linux. An app was written uh, by somebody, <laughs> Not, Nonco, Kappenhang. 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 Oh, sorry. The link is bad. It has that uh, thing on the end. I was like, man, I thought I thought it was. Oh, yeah, it has the, uh, the paren. Yeah, we'll yeah, fix that. We'll fix that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there's an app now which implements the RSBA1 protocol so you can connect the IC705 through Wi-Fi directly to a Linux computer. And uh, the developer asks you to please test it if you're using Linux and have an ICOM IC705 transceiver so it can be improved as time goes on. So there you go. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's called Kappenhang. That's the name of the software. And the author is... Uh, no, 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 Like Mork and Mindy, no, no. No, 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 So it's written in Go, which is kind of cool. And uh, let's see, the license here that he has it under is the MIT license. And, uh, yeah, so uh, if you happen to have a uh, IC705, uh, this would be an interesting way to connect up to it remotely. As well, uh, I would assume that since it's, well, I mean, there are some customizations for the 705, but I would assume that the 7300 might actually uh, connect to this as well. But uh, anyway, really kind of cool, cool project. The guy put it out on uh, Reddit, uh, I think about a week or two ago. I saw it and I was like, oh, I'll save this for later. So, and I just didn't get a chance to install it and take a look at it and I still have the IC7300 here. I was going to plug it in and <laughs> give it a whirl, but uh, I have not been able to make it out here to to play around with that. But uh, yeah, definitely check it out. Uh, the link is, of course, in the show notes. So the 705, is it pretty much just a QRP version of the 7300, or is there something fundamentally different about it? Uh, n- n- y'all, it is... Uh... It is not just uh, HF and six meters. It's it's HF all the way through seventy centimeters, and it also has D star in it. Oh right, okay. So it's kind of like your seventy one hundred, except for kind of reskinned to look like a seventy three hundred or an IC ninety seven ninety seven hundred. It has the color display, I assume, right? And yep. it's uh, QRP. So yep, ten watts. All right. Uh, what what's it do on the uppers on the VHF UHF? What do you mean? It's the same uh, power output. Ten. I think, ten, I think it's ten the whole 10. way. Yeah, I think I think it is. I I can look that up real quick here. I see seven oh five specs. 
<clears throat> Let's see what we got here. Icom 705, 10 watts. It just says 10 watts. Well, it's probably 10 watts all the way from top band all the way up to 77s then. Yeah, I'm looking. I don't see any. Oh, here we go. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, so on 13 volts, 13.8 volts, it's 10 watts. It goes from 0.1 to 10 watts. Uh, AM, of course, is, you know, a quarter of that. Uh, and on 7.4 volt DC, which is when it, when it has its little battery pack plugged into the back, it has 5 watts. Uh, so 0.1 to 5 watts. So, yeah. Right, there you go. So if you're a long way from the repeaters, the 705 is not for you. <laughs> uh anyway there we go no so, the uh, 705 does not have 1.2 gig uh Don. what's what's the cost on the 705 um like, like roughly like what's the uh, mtd and 1300 or something like that why why on earth would someone get a 705 instead of a 7100 uh portability the 7100 is not that big and it yeah. comes it comes split by default in fact, there's, there's yeah, no well, way. You can, if you leave the heavy part behind, does the radio work? Well, no, it doesn't, but the radio is not that heavy. I mean, I don't know how heavy a 705 is. I've never held one, but. Uh, well, now we're going to have to look at this, that. No, I'm, I'm looking. The 705 is 13 Well, the only reason I ask, the only reason I ask is because, okay, yes, I understand the portability aspect of mm-hmm. it, but you can run the 7100 as QRP. I mean, you can go all the way oh, down yeah. to, to 0% power output. So, I mean, other than the color screen, I'm I'm wondering why anyone would get the 705. So 2.4. So there's that. And which one do you have? You have. I have the 7100. 7100 is specifications. Uh, 7100. Here we are selling ICOM radios. Here we go. Uh, so the 700 weighs uh, 2.3 kilograms, which I believe is twice the weight. Yeah, 2.3 to 2.2. So you're looking at about five pounds. So and this one's half that. So it's 1.1 kilograms. So 2.4 pounds. Okay. And, and that and includes again. the battery. Oh, so remember, okay. this has the battery. This can be battery powered. Yeah, I guess for, Snap I mean, if, battery. if you're super into like soda and stuff, then the 705 is probably a really good radio, but it seems like a really limited um, sort of demographic for the 705 versus the 7100. Maybe, maybe I'm just thinking about it wrong. Ah, uh, you know, it, it's, it's possible, but I think that's the thing is they want that to kind of grow in. Like, you know, I'm assuming that they'll probably come out with some kind of, you know, plug and play little amplifier, 100 watt amplifier to go with it. So then you basically have your 7100, you know, all upgraded using the new fancy dancy screens and everything else. Um, yeah. And like people like me that have the, the old one, the 703. You know, you know, really look at it like, oh, you know, this is a anchor, you know, boat anchor compared to that for portability and stuff like that. No, I agree. But I mean, you can get a 7100, which is twice the weight for half the money. So, I, I mean, <laughs> well, you know, if, if radios are always sold that way, <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> but yeah, I know. I mean, I think, uh, yeah, the other Don, too, I think he doesn't, doesn't he have a 7100? I believe he does. Yeah, uh, I think is that he a takes it portable. Yeah, or no YSI. Oh YSI. Yeah, I think he has a seventy one hundred, and he uses it portable as well. I mean, it runs on batteries and stuff like that. Yeah, it's a little bit heavier. Um, I mean, I can tell you if you're backpacking with it, you know that kind of stuff really matters. 
<laughs> if you're, uh, you know, doing an activation that you can't drive up to the peak with and then, you know, walk your 80 feet from, uh, you know, down from the summit and back up, uh, to count it as a soda activation. Yeah. You're, you're not going to want to lug a, a big old radio when, you know, this thing is ready to rock and roll, um, with just the weight it's at. No, no. And I understand that. And that's exactly why I said it seems like, it seems like it's geared towards people who are, who are interested in doing, uh, portable ops and soda and things like that. But, I'm not sure how really big that demographic is. Maybe they're just not anticipating a lot of sales of the 705. I don't know. I mean, did I don't you know. see the ARRL's annual report? They had a picture of a soda guy right on the front. That must be like the only thing we do in the hobby now. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was satellite. I didn't think anybody was doing soda anymore. I thought everybody was working the birds. Uh, well, yeah, no, a lot of bird working. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, soda's, uh, soda's gained a lot of traction. And obviously portable radio. And I mean, God, we just had the, the FMH, uh, uh portable, uh, contest, uh, what a month or two ago, wasn't it? Yep. I think it was about a month ago. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think it's, uh, it's, it's picking up traction. And you know, I think ICOM has, uh, you know, been yelled at for a long time since, you know, the 703 was released, what, 20 some odd years ago? <laughs> well, probably about 20 years ago. Well, obviously they're, yeah. they're trying to fight against the KX3. I mean, that's clearly where this is going. So. Well, yeah, it's kind of like their answer to it. It's like the next step because it has everything from, you know, DC to, to 70, 70 centimeters. So that this is like way bigger than the, the KX3. The KX3, even with them, they have the add on module for two meters. Um, you know, if you have room in there, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, and if you have the KX2, which is the real tiny one, I don't think that one has an option for the two meter module. Um, so yeah, this is slightly different. I think. I think this kind of ticks a couple of different boxes for people because it gets them into the uh, VHF, UHF as well in, in that kind of same little box. And, you know, a lot of people are, you know, buying the smaller wattage rigs and stuff like that for first rigs. Although, I mean, you know, this is kind of spendy, $1,300. bucks. Yeah, you can get a, uh, you can get a uh, 7300 for under 1000 now, can't you? Yeah, but again, it's the uh, 7300 oh, is definitely not for portable bucks. ops. So. Yeah, but you could. I mean, the 7300 is not, not heavy at all. I mean, I bet it, know. I bet it's at least as heavy as the 7100. Yeah, it's probably as heavy as your rig. That's probably true, <laughs> but they are so. pretty small. All right. Well, enough about that. Anyway, that was a, was a rather entertaining diversion, actually. <laughs> uh, but Bill, since you, since we're all talking here, you can go ahead and tell us about this, uh, the software that I got an email about. And we'll be reading the, about the, the person who emails about it, uh, the developer actually, uh, when we get to feedback next time around, but we'll cool. talk about the software now. So yeah. So the software is called repeater start and the start stands for showing the amateurs repeater tool. So there you go, uh, is a native Linux application to view nearby ham radio repeaters. It should work fine on Ubuntu Raspbian for Raspberry Pi and Librem phone or similar. Similar, sorry. Uh, features. It features a uh, browse for the nearest repeaters on a list or a map. Add repeaters to the hereham.com repeater listing. Uh, get notifications by favoriting repeaters on hereham.com. And also search the map and display nearby to ham radio repeaters. And um, I did install this. It actually allows you to download a, a deb. So basically was able to just kind of go right to it. Um, the hereham data is horrible for my area <laughs> uh let's see when i pull up my area it has one repeater i've never heard of i think this is at somebody's house 
21 miles away. And then the closest one after that is in Three Forks, which is 141 miles away, which is wrong because we have several up in Red Lodge, which is only about 30, well, by air, I guess about 35 to 40 miles away. And we have some more in town here. So I'm assuming that the data is a bit limited, but as if you use it and you start adding local repeaters, maybe they have some kind of validation thing that, uh, geez, uh, it gets better and it gets better. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, so your mileage may vary with the data that's in there, but, uh, obviously if people start using it, um, you know, it might get better. It's not a bad little app. It was kind of confusing at first. Cause when it first pops up, uh, it has like the map, like a Google, it's an open street map, you know, so it has a standard looking map that you're all used to see with the controls, the up, down and blah, blah, blah. It has the ability to, uh, you know, use your IP address to figure out your location. So it can go ahead and locate like where you're at relatively. And then you can narrow it down it has like a little bullseye on it that you can kind of move around, uh, which is kind of, kind of neat, but like the bottom of it until you click into the map is like completely blank. I'm assuming that it doesn't set an anchor until you actually click the map. <laughs> so a little kind of, uh, you know, non-intuitive, but uh, I mean, once you click it, obviously you figure that out and it's, you know, it's no second thought at that point. But um, yeah, yeah, I could, uh, I could see where, let me see if I can, what's the closest repeater to you? Closest repeater to me would be in Monette. It's, um, it's a, it's a 70 Sems machine. Um, here we go. I'm gonna, I'm moving the map. Okay, the map is kind of slow, but that this is, you know, what do you call it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> open street map. Yeah. So it's not terribly <laughs> the internet. Fast. Oh, no, one four. Uh, uh, the 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 one that might be in there is uh, one four six nine seven. Okay. I see Joplin. I'm getting close. Yep. Uh. Okay. Oh, there's Springfield. Okay, there you go. Yeah, we're like yeah, halfway, we're between, halfway the two. between the two. So, all right, so we're gonna put the thing right there, and it shows the closest one is the. Uh, let's see, the two meter repeater is that good enough? One, okay, one four six nine seven. No, one four six eight three five. One four six eight three five. I think that's a Neosho. It says it's in Eureka Springs. Eureka Springs. Yeah, oh yeah, that's no, in there's Arkansas, yeah. yeah. I can't even hit that one. There, there are definitely repeaters closer than that one. Yeah, the closest one they have here is K0NXA. It's a 442425. Yeah, that's the clever. one in Clever. Yeah. Clever, Clever. Okay, there you go. Um, so yeah, obviously it, it needs data. So probably it would be really cool if it had really good data, but I could see this working good on a phone and stuff like that too. If you have the Librem phone or, or something like that. Um, and the only detractor, of course, is the initial, ugh, it's on SourceForge. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we'll have a discussion with a developer and enlighten him about GitHub or something. <laughs> GitLab or something like or that. Or something, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, right. so anyway, uh, check it out. Uh, link is in the show notes, and it's called Repeater Start. Yep, check that out. And that brings us down to the end of our topics for this evening, which means we have come to the social media roundup. So we'll bring Cheryl back in here and she can tell us about who has been supporting the show all this time and the people who have uh, just sort of jumped on board. All righty then. So we're going to start our list out with our Patreons. And on that list, we have John Spriggs, Robert Pitts, Douglas Redder, David Jakeway, Darren King, Cubicle Nate, Erno Costales, Samuel Vimes, Peter Caffrey, Richard Gordon, 
Paul Griffith, Jonas Rulo, Donald Gover, Herb Garcia, Steve Sainer, Steve Metcalf, William Heckelman, Randolph Smith, and Andy Webster. For our subscriptions, we have Michael Burdak, Kevin Ivey, Tony Coberly, Ronald Ike, Johnny Kinsey, Peter Spots, Fred Cole, Bill Piotr, Jeffrey Boris, Robert Halliday, Wayne Hale, John Clark, Steve Hepler, Michael Jopling, Roger Pereira, Howard Dittmer, Todd Bowers, Michael Carey, A. Taylor, Dylan Engel, Jim McKenzie, Bill Collins, Robert Black, Darren King, Randolph Smith, Robert Yerke, Steve Biella, Alan Wilson, Mark Farrell, and Jill, excuse me, Jeff Zimmerman. For Facebook, we have David Beers. On Twitter, we have at Andrew M underscore A, at Bug Books, at Review K Videos, and at KD9CPB. On YouTube, we had Joel Lavin join us. And there were no one, no one joined the mailing list and no one bought anything. Nope, but that's okay. Um, we will have very soon some new stickers that Bill has gotten produced mm-hmm. up on the shop site. So there'll be some new merch over there. And of course, there's still the other stuff, customized mugs and, you know, um, Yeti cups and things like that that might be of interest to anyone who wants to support the show. And uh, I think we may be out of the thumb drives, but we're going to get a new stock of those in at some point. So if you want one, go ahead and order one (laughs) and we'll make sure we get them taken care of. Uh, Shop.lhspodcast.info is where you find all the merchandise. And of course, all that information is in the outro and on the website. So if you ever make it to the website, clocks, what clocks? I said something about doing clocks. I apparently Missed Miss that? that? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> so uh, maybe what maybe there'll be clocks. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. You uh, make really cool clocks. So. Yeah, I have made a couple of pretty cool clocks. So, but with that, we have come down to the end of the show. So we want to recognize the folks who are with us in the chat room tonight, who are talking with us live and uh, blowing it up in there. And uh, there's actually a little bit of lively conversation in there, especially the talk about the uh, 705. So we had with us Don, KC9ZMY, Don, KB2YSI, Ted, WA0EIR, Sasaki Noctis. We don't know if there's a call sign associated with uh, said person. Uh, we also had Rich, K0EB, who popped up towards the end. So thanks, Rich, for being here, as well as everybody else. And we hope you enjoyed tonight's program. And with that, we're just going to go ahead and wrap this one up. Uh, because quite frankly, the last one was really long. And if you listen to all of it, um, thank you very much. <laughs> so yeah, this has been episode number 378 of Linux in the ham shack. I'm Russ K five TUX. I'm Cheryl W five MOO. And I'm Bill any four RD 73. for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. The live show is recorded every Monday night at 8pm Central Time, plus or minus QRL. Connect to the live stream at url.bcts.info stroke LHS Live. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. 
you can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page at patreon.com stroke LHS podcast or by using the contribute link on the homepage. Get in touch via social media. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter and YouTube. Our IRC channel is hash LHS podcast on the Freenode network and the Discord invite link is url.bcts.info stroke discord you can also drop us an email at info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW that's 1-909-547-7469 visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show themed merchandise Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a local Linux convention or handfest. Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info for more information or visit the homepage for details. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism. Shack and the Linux in the Hamshack logo are released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License.